sometimes you'll, I'll get the question of how many transactions do you do or how, how, you know, how many, how much business did you do last year kind of thing. And, you know, while that may speak to some degree, the, to the level of success the person has had, maybe there's so much more behind it. And you could get a relatively new agent that isn't overly experienced, but they are just a profoundly amazing negotiator. They've been in sales forever. They are exceptionally well qualified to list your home, but they don't have a lot of business behind them. Doesn't mean they're not better qualified than many of the agents that have been in business for decades and are providing little service to their clients. All right. Hello. Welcome to episode 170, 170 of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Ariel. He's Adrian. Hello, hey, hello. buddy. Uh, today, we're doing something a little different. We each jotted down. I've got five points. Adrian apparently has six. That is we correct. We did not discuss our points. I threw one extra one at the end there. Did you? Although, you know, this could be elaborated and turned into many minor points. I honestly could have written probably three pages of this, but I kept it simple for the viewing audience. And these points are all tips on what to look for when hiring a realtor to sell your home. How to hire a realtor? How to hire a realtor. It could be sell your home or potentially buy your home. I would say buying buying is probably if you're only buying, I would say that could be a bit more challenging because you're, you don't have, I mean, as we get into this, I can elaborate, but you don't have as much to go off of. It's more of a gut feeling. My, my points are very much so revolving around um, selling your home because I would say a, I don't know the actual number, shame on me, but about 75% of our clients that hire us are hiring us to sell their home. Some of them may not have a home to purchase with or do not want to purchase a home with us. Maybe they've bought a new build or they're moving out of out of town and um, out of our jurisdiction or whatever. Um, but a lot of people that contact us are going to contact us to help sell and buy. So a lot of my notes are for selling. And that's a much more involved process if you think about it from A to Z. Uh, there's a lot more moving pieces. And it's certainly, um, you know, when you're selling your number one asset, when you're selling your biggest investment off, you want to make sure you get the the best return. So a lot of mine are focused on that, but you can intertwine them and we can definitely chat about what to look for when hiring a realtor to help you buy. So that's the topic today, episode 170. If uh, you're new to the podcast, we talk about everything, buying, leasing, selling, uh, real estate, whether it's primary residence, investment properties, um, if you're a landlord, if you're a tenant, if you're a realtor or an aspiring one, lots of great tips. Lots in the of past aspiring realtors. Actually, we we received uh, we get messages occasionally. We got one not long ago. I think it was on Instagram. Somebody in was it Ottawa who was taking their course, and they had asked 
some advice? I think yeah, you responded get, to that one. We get, yeah, we get messages from the East Coast to the West Coast and in anywhere in between. So keep them coming. Leave a comment. Give us a little thumbs up and subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. All right, I'm going to get a start. All right, here we go. I'm going to get a start of my first tip, which is harder to do these days, but still possible. And I think as uh, as as COVID eases, it will become more possible. Uh, and that is to visit current listings now, whether that's virtually or in person is the question, but I have a funny story to go along with that because I mean, seeing someone's listing firsthand can uh, say a lot about the efforts that they put into preparing a property, which is a big part of the process. Um, a number of years ago, I had recommend, I recommended doing like whenever I would be interviewed by people, I would recommend they do this and they go and see listing uh, listings for people they're interviewing and, and see what they look like. And with us, as many people know, we've, we have cameras at all of our properties uh, to monitor traffic, people coming and going. And one day I noticed on one of the cameras at a particular home of ours, um, a visitor who was somebody that had recently interviewed me to list their home for sale. His name was Brian. I remember it was funny. And uh, shortly after he visited the home, I saw him on the camera and he actually, he just, he went, he knocked on the door. He was hoping to chat with the homeowners to get their feedback on us as listing their home. And uh, they didn't answer, unfortunately, but uh, I, I mentioned it to him later on. I said, Hey, by the way, we have cameras at that house. And I saw you visit the house. What were you doing? He's like, Oh, I was going because I wanted to get their opinion on you so far in the process. Cause I knew that their house was listed for sale with you. So I thought that was really funny, but I think it's a great way to do it. Like you embarrass the guy, oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, we already had a good relationship, but um, you know, who better to ask than somebody that you're actively working with. And in that particular case, those clients that he knocked on their door, they were repeat clients of ours. So firsthand, good feedback potentially, but again, they didn't answer the door. So, well, that does knock off one of my points. My point was um, past clients, uh, whether it's reviews, yeah. looking at Google and Facebook reviews specifically, I would focus more on Google because Google has um, a couple more protocols within it that um, make it more difficult for fake reviews uh, than, than Facebook. Um, yeah, that's a great place to start and, and reading through them. Um, We've actually had some legit reviews refused because this algorithm thought it was not real. Yeah, and nothing you can do about that um either so i i would read through the reviews now you know i i take that with a grain of salt sometimes people just don't leave reviews sometimes people that are extremely happy don't leave reviews sometimes that people that are upset don't leave reviews um but if there are enough reviews it should give you a pretty good indication as to the service you're going to receive. Yeah. And if you start seeing similar, similar type of responses, um, it'll gauge what their 
what that person or that team or that brokerage, what their specialty is, what they really uh, do well and exceed expectations with. I believe it's actually Google that will list keywords that it recognizes in, yes. right? I can't remember exactly how that works, but that was an interesting feature I saw. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's actually available. I think it's available to the public. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, kn- I know we see it on our end. Like if somebody says the word professionalism and, and it keeps coming up in different reviews that that. It almost becomes, becomes like a tag a, of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. So you could click that tag and then all of the reviews with the word professionalism. Um, kind of part to that is you, you're doing due diligence and no better due diligence to do than finding out how that person or again, that team, that brokerage performed with a past client. So if you're interviewing a realtor, it's okay to ask them for references. And, you know, I always say people don't provide bad references, right? Like you're not going to give the name and the number of your you know, the client that you screwed up with right. that hates you or whatever, you're going to give the the client that gives you glowing remarks and reviews, but get a few names and numbers um, and ask, you know, which property did you help them sell? And then Google that address and see what that home looked like. And then give that person a call and say, Hey, I'm thinking of hiring Adrian. Um, how was your experience? What did you think? Uh, was there anything that um, would stop you from hiring them again or whatever? Ask a few questions and ask the same questions to hey. one, two, three more people. Yeah. Did you hear Alicia there? Tell, tell, tell your sweetheart you're doing a podcast. I'm recording there. a podcast. Sorry. <laughs> but that is a sound bit. Sorry. Um, every, every time we screw up, we'll have that now as a sound bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that more people should do that because I don't think a lot of people do it. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like the idea of knocking on somebody's door. If they have a sign up, sold or active listing lease mm-hmm. or for sale, knock on the door and ask firsthand, um, without even having to get permission or get a list of references from that realtor. Uh, because like you said, yeah. you know, they're going to give their, their favorite, biggest advocates, uh, contact info. Um, but it's easy to do just to go to the website and you'll see the recent sales and see the listings. Go knock on the doors yourself. A little bit of effort, yep. but worth it. Great point. Uh, I'll get to one of my points. So we'll cross that one off my list since it was similar and we talked about it. Uh, kind of three points rolled up into one here, but it all sums down to communication. So I wrote down communication, response times, and accessibility. So in the process of buying or selling a home, time is of the essence with so many things, with offers, with homes that just come up on the market and you need to see them right away. Um, when you're selling, it can be getting a an approval for a showing. Um, it can be, oh no, my kid is sick and uh, we have to cancel the next showing. Or There's so many things that come up in the process that 
require um, good communication. So does this realtor have the ability to communicate the way I want to communicate as a customer, right? Whether that's email, text message, DM on social, phone call, in person, you as the customer should dictate how you want to communicate and what's most convenient for you. So does that person have the ability to do that? And how long is the turnaround time before you get a response? So, so if I'm the customer and I'm sending an email to this realtor that I'm, you know, um, interviewing, we'll say, yeah. how long does it take before I get a response? Um, in subsequent communication, are those responses consistently on time or timely? And I think that's a real important part because if you are not an important part of their day, there's almost guaranteed that there's going to be things missed along the way. Right. So I had, um, communication written down. It's like a subtopic within the, another topic. And that was, um, synergy or just gut feeling. And I think a lot of that is influenced by communication, um, and your degree of, or their degree of confidence in what they do and your degree of confidence in their ability to do it. And the way that Great point. Uh, the way that somebody communicates with you is a direct reflection of how they will communicate with the perspective buyers of your home or the real estate agents representing those buyers. Uh, so, you know, how are they, are they professionally handling, handling those phone calls? Um, if you throw an objection at them, as far as trying to negotiate with them, perhaps in with their commission or with their sale, like how do they handle that with you? And that's going to be a pretty good indication of how they're capable of handling objections. When a real estate agent calls them and says, I don't know. My client doesn't like the price of your home or my client doesn't like that. There's only three bedrooms or da, 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 you know? Um, so I think all that kind of bundled in together can just establish a degree of confidence you have in the person, but communication is so important for sure. Oh, you made a couple of excellent points there. You know, I relate it a lot to, because it's a relationship, right? Like you are establishing a relationship. So as the consumer, you're looking for somebody now that's professional and that you're going to trust, let's face it, with at least a million dollars of your money right now in the current marketplace. So you're trusting that person to invest a million of your dollars. So. Do you connect with this person and do you feel good about this person? Uh, Don't feel obligated because it's somebody, you know, somebody that you were referred to somebody that has a thousand signs on the lawns of your neighborhood and in your neighborhood. Um, That, so I think that's a big part of it. It's kind of like dating, right? Like you're, um, or making your, you know, you're making a friend. You're trying to develop a friendship. Yeah. So you're not going to be friends with everybody, right? Like not everybody clicks, um, you know, whether it's the type of food you like or the type of vacations you like to take, like people have common grounds. And usually that establishes a form of 
uh, you put it as synergy in, in some way of a sense. And that develops a friendship and that can make it a lot easier to communicate with each other um, when you like each other. Agreed. Right. Like yeah. when you have, when you have fun together, when you can enjoy the process. Um, so yeah, good points. Um, all right. Moving on to my next. Oh, that, no, that was actually, yours. I think it's your turn. Cause that was mine. Yep. Go ahead. Um, I don't know why I wrote this one. I said number of transactions doesn't really mean a lot. So don't pay too much attention to that. Like, I, I think it's because sometimes you'll, I'll get the question of how many transactions do you do or how, how, you know, how many, how much business did you do last year kind of thing. And, you know, while that may speak to um, some degree, the, to the level of success the person has had, maybe there's so much more behind it and you could get, um, a relatively new agent that isn't overly experienced, but they are just a profoundly amazing negotiator. They've been in sales forever. They are exceptionally well qualified to list your home, but they don't have a lot of business behind them. Doesn't mean they're not better qualified than many of the agents that have been in business for decades and are providing little service to their clients because they're just riding the success that they've had in the past, you know, like as real estate, you've been real. Oh, let's face it. I have seen uh, listings yeah. from agents that currently are, oh, okay. Well, every agent on the planet here in the country is uh, one top 1% of some crap. Right. Anyways, but there are some big realtors out there that, are providing less service than some of the newest uh, realtors that get licensed. Some of the newest in realtors, many cases. Well, think, think, think back. Okay. Now we've been in the business 10 years, but when we started in our first couple of years, we were providing better service, better negotiation, like better everything than a lot of the agents that have been in it for several years and been able to say, Oh yeah, we've sold thousand homes. Yeah. And meanwhile, we only sold three, uh, but we were doing a better job because it meant more to us. We were hustling and, and we knew, well, we knew how to get the job done. Yes. When I look at some of the seasoned agents that have been around for a long time, um, it just, it blows me away that they are still not providing any service. Well, not saying any service, but very little. They've yeah, not, that's a little they've, harsh. they've not adapted to the times. Like it's just, it blows me away. Um, and well, different strokes for different folks too, right? Like, um, again, you, as a realtor, you have to kind of adapt to your demographic and your, your audience of what, what type of client you want to attract too, right? So, but fact of the matter is, sorry, if you don't know how to draft an offer on your phone and send it to your client via DocuSign and have everything done by mobile, um, I remember when, uh, when you're, signatures you're, first got authorized to be electronic in Ontario, um, I was doing a deal with a realtor and he refused to do electronic signatures. And he, he said more or less to the word, uh, this is just a fad. It will not, it will not become the norm. Right. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. It was interesting. Some people just don't want to adapt. And yeah, I, and, the, and then you and then you responded, buddy, you are just a fad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, 
anyways, I don't, where was I going with that? I said number of transactions. Yeah. So don't get caught up in somebody's history as much as, you know, their, their past doesn't necessarily say whether or not they're going to be successful or capable of now, selling your home successfully. My, so I, I agree hundred percent, but there is something to be said about the cash flow into that realtor or that team's business, because if they're doing five deals a year, they probably didn't not do not have the financial resources to certainly when you're selling, when you're buying it, eh, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But when you're selling, like if you think about our team mm-hmm. and how much money is spent on fixed expenses and even variable expenses on a monthly basis, but then how much is spent individually on each listing, the the average realtor that sells one home a year or even 10 homes a year, 20 homes a year, well, 20 might be starting to get into the realm of affordability for them. But um, average realtor in, in the GTA only sells two homes a year. That person doesn't have the financial capability of marketing a home in today's market properly. Sorry. Yeah. You don't. Well, that's, and that's not so much about their, how much money they have necessarily or how many deals they've done. I mean, the, you'll, that's just an, a matter of what services are they providing? And they may, for all, you know, they're using a line of credit to stage your house, right? Who knows? That's true. Which we, which we did in the beginning, right? We went into debt when we first got into the business because we were pouring cash into making a business. Yeah, it was interesting. I was chatting with a friend yesterday um, who's out in Edmonton and he's moved into his new house and he's getting his old house ready to sell now. And it's going to be vacant. So I asked, oh, is your real estate agent is going to stage the house? And he laughed. He's like, no, no, they don't do that here. He said it's too expensive. He said he might virtually stage it, but apparently that's too expensive too. <laughs> I was like, it's like 80 bucks a photo. Come on, yeah, buddy. I was, I just found that very amusing, but different markets, I suppose, or, or maybe not. Maybe that's just one agent in a market and he doesn't know better because he only interviewed this one person. Who knows? Side note. So I was looking at the stats. There's almost a hundred thousand realtors in the province of Ontario. Did you know that? It was much um, less last time you, I heard. Yeah. Do you, so we've been to PEI. We went to PEI, uh, what, six years ago or so now. Uh, we went to Charlottetown. Beautiful. I loved it there. I, I really, really enjoyed the, uh, the atmosphere, the people, the area, the, the land, the lobster. Everything. Is that where we had lobster? Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. I have pictures of that. Oh, delicious. Um, you know how many realtors on, on the island in the province of PEI? How many? 49. No way. Legit. Interesting. 49 realtors. Probably one of the more so, difficult markets to break into because they're probably loyal to their locals. If I was <laughs> buying a home out of the province of Ontario, which I would highly consider now, it would be in PEI. 999%. That's, I'd be in Nova that's Scotia. where I would buy. I think I'd be in Nova Scotia somewhere. Uh, okay. Next point for AK. 
Who backs up the person? Who's their backup? Got so, it. A good one. I didn't write that one down. I thought we'd have all the same points. That's a really good point. Um, if the agent is busy, sick, on vacation, in a meeting, in a meeting, you know, whatever, has a dentist appointment, whatever, and you need an answer or something needs to happen quickly. I left my dirty underwear on the floor and a showing just booked for 30 minutes from now and I'm an hour away. <laughs> you, hey, we've done you that. Bring back some, you bring back some bad memories, man. You had to bring that up. Yeah. So the story goes, for those of you that want to hear about dirty underwear, um, this was actually probably one of our first listings because it was about 10 years ago. Yeah. I'm trying to don't remember. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name I, of the street. Back down to the railway. Yeah. It was uh, in Mississauga. Anyways, anyways, the guy inquired on one of our condos that we had listed. And he was interested in it for himself. He hired us then to to sell his um, semi-detached home in Mississauga. And Adrian and I were there um, kind of doing the pre-listing walkthrough, make sure that the beds were nicely made, the home was clean, it was presentable before we actually listed it on the MLS that day. And walk into the bathroom and there were a pair of this gentleman's we'll call them the tidy whities yeah. that's what they were they were soiled <laughs> sitting <laughs> sitting right next to the I'm, toilet i'm glad you had floor. that responsibility yeah so no choice we couldn't leave no dirty underwear sitting next to the toilet of this ensuite on day of on the day of the listing so i had to dispose of it and that was just just imagine, you know, now going into an industry where you had to do something like that in your first year of this new career and how how it felt. Um, it didn't feel good, let me tell you. You, know, you had to put um, the dirty work but, in. Any, literally. Yeah. Anyway, so who backs up this person? If the realtor is certainly an individual realtor, not part of a team, um, what's happening you know, behind the scenes, if this yeah. person has five clients on the go, which can easily happen, certainly in the busier times, you've got five active clients buying and or selling. Maybe you're out with showings with somebody else. And Maybe you are at an open house yeah. for another client's property. Um, to that point too, uh, one complaint I've had along the same lines is understanding who's involved in the process. Because sometimes you hire the big wig that's on all the billboards. But after that interview, like Adrian Trot. after the interview, Hi. maybe you never see them again. You know, I've had people complain and say, so-and-so didn't even show up to the negotiation process. It was, it was their assistant or it was mm -hmm. somebody else or so-and-so didn't do my open houses. And I had no idea. So, Great point. you know, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like I generally don't do our virtual open houses for my clients, but they know in advance during the interview process, I inform them that, Another team member will be here to run the one hour virtual open house. And, you know, we walk them through the entire process so they know exactly what they're getting into. There's no surprises. Well, and to that point, like if you think about our internal processes, the realtors on our team, as an example, so you and I don't typically do any open houses, haven't for many, many years. 
the realtors on our team are better at doing the open houses than we are because that's what they've been trained to do. Right. We train them to do it and then they add their own flavor to it, which makes it even better. Um, but yeah, uh, I've seen many, many times when in-person open houses were still very, very active um, individual agents, not part of a team that would just get some random other agent from the brokerage to run their open house because they were unable to. And then the sellers left wondering, well, who's this John guy that just showed up at my house to run my open house? Yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't approve of this. I didn't know. Um, but also in terms of paperwork offers negotiation, um, certainly for showings, that's a big one, right? So as a realtor, you might have a two, three hour window scheduled with a buyer to go out and see four five, six properties. What's happening with the business in that period of time? Like who's running the business in that two to three hour window? And uh, so that's important. Well, one thing and I always make to a say, point to is on our presentation, we've got a, one slide with all the team members and then the 1-800 number. And I always make a point to say, if you can't get a hold of me, you call this number and everybody's cell phone is going to ring simultaneously. So know who is going to be involved in the process. And if you're not able to get a hold of the person you're hiring, who's next in line? All right. What's your next point? This isn't actually a point, but I just thought of it. And that is, um, if you go back, you'll find blogs and probably quick tip videos of ours from years ago where we had discussions on this topic. And we probably alluded to the importance of days on market stats and uh, sale to price, price to sale to list, list to sale ratio and all these numbers and finding out what all the stats are. I'm going to go back on that and say I've had a, you know, over the years, I've completely changed my mind. I think it plays very little importance at all when interviewing somebody because there are so many unknown variables that go into those numbers. And there's just no way of quantifying them because, you know, somebody could have really low days on market, uh, which is the number of days it takes to sell a home after it's listed. Um, but it could mean they're underpricing their homes. Who knows? Or they could be selling really odd homes that are very unique in rural areas and generally take longer to sell. And those are skewing their numbers a bit. Uh, so maybe their numbers are a bit higher than somebody who only sells, you know, cookie cutter townhouses in the suburban area. So I think those numbers are absolutely irrelevant. This marketplace, every home sells right? Like every home is selling. Every home is selling in a reasonable amount of time. Like it's such a, I can't stand a couple of things in this industry. One of them is every pretty well, every realtor gets some kind of award, right? Well, that's it's the whole, like, yeah participation award it's, mentality nowadays uh, right i remember like, when we first started we're not we're not in grade two and you you know you got to make us feel good remember when we first started we went like to that big person conference? selling two homes a year is like oh i got a 
Silver Award and post it on Facebook so all of their friends can say, wow, great job. You made 6,000 bucks this year. Remember that conference we went to the one time and there was like brutal three hours of 200 people going on stage for, you know, oh, yeah. it was unbelievable. Literally, we were at the Century 21 <laughs> Awards Gala. Yeah. And never, never did we go back to one. No. Because literally everybody in the room got some kind of award yeah. and had to be recognized. And the ones, okay, they didn't literally bring everybody up on stage, but it was like a sec. Imagine there's 10 tiers. So the first tier didn't go on the stage, but everybody else and all the other tiers. So there was like three, four, five hundred people. Well, I that think there's, on there's awards for there's people awards that made $75,000, but in real estate, that's you know, poverty because of all the expenses, but these people were yeah. getting awards, right? Seven, 75 grand a year. You're taking home, you know, 25. Right. So I don't know. And 75 grand a year, to be honest with the average commission now is three homes in a year. Right. Yeah. So you sold three homes, but that is above Bravo, average. Come on stage. That is above average, I suppose. It is, yeah. Fifty <laughs> percent. Yeah. So that's the first thing I hate. The second thing I hate is when realtors brag. Certainly in this market, maybe eight years ago, it was something to be proud of. In this market, when you literally are pricing the home below market value, if you do not sell your home for over asking, you are a moron. Yes. You did something wrong in that process, or it, but it's well, just but, not going to sell. And but to that point, maybe not. And that's my point: is there's no you. You may have listed it high, and still, maybe you do sell for less, but you still sold for a record price, right? Like there's so much behind it that these stats on their own mean nothing. And that's why. Yeah, I, no, I'm agreeing with that, oh. but I just can't stand when when a, when a realtor legitimately knows that the home is underpriced when they list oh, it. Oh, and they brag about, yeah, absolutely. So the home is worth a million bucks all day long. Yeah. Like you can walk down the street and find a buyer to buy it for a million bucks yeah. because the most recent comparable sold for a million 25, let's say. Let's say, you know, you're even being realistic. But all of a sudden it's listed for seven ninety nine nine because that's what's fucking happening in the current marketplace. That was uh, special to my... Uh, friend uh Tomas who uh gave me a little thumbs up for swearing in a, a Facebook review did you see that no i did not <laughs> anyway um regardless of what the home's price is it's okay to say we listed it for this much and we sold it for this and much and let people make their own conclusion Exactly. Okay. Next. Um, <clears throat> I would say commission is probably one of the lowest uh, items of importance, in my opinion. Um, a lot of people get caught up on half percent here, quarter percent, even one percent, um, when in reality, the swing in the selling price for identical homes is in you know the million dollar price range can be six figures so hiring uh, yeah hiring it often is yeah, absolutely so hiring the right realtor is more important than hiring the cheapest realtor because 
how much money is going to end up in your pocket at the end of the day, it could be significantly more if you make the wrong decision when hiring. And that has zero uh, importance, commission that is, on that factor. Does that make sense? Well, you know, the other, the other part of it, yeah, it 100% makes sense. But the other part of it is that um, if you think about a per, as a percentage, right? Like when people negotiate or try to negotiate real estate commissions, because you can't. You can always ask. Let's just say 1%, right? You're negotiating with this realtor, this team, or this brokerage for a 1% reduction in their commission. For the realtor, that 1% is massive because that is most likely going into their marketing, their expenses, you know, board fees, insurance, uh, gas, you know, especially at a dollar, whatever, 90 a liter. Um, well, there's a lot of expenses behind the scenes. So, so let's just I think say, those are, I mean, personally, I think, but hang on, let me finish. Okay. Let's just say, let's just say the commission is two and a half percent. And you ask the realtor to reduce it by 1% because that's often, you know, I don't know why, but yeah, I know somebody that can do it for one and a half percent, right? We hear that a lot. Um, You are then basically, I don't have the exact percentage, but you're asking the the person you're trying to hire to do the job for 40, 40% less in what industry or, or anywhere would you be able to hire somebody for 40% less their quote? Nowhere. doesn't happen. Well, logistically, financially, it doesn't make sense. So that's number one. Number two, if you hire the right person to market, to negotiate, to be professional, to be attentive, to communicate, that has everything that we've been talking about. If you hire the right person, I guarantee you that little extra that you're going to pay, even though it seems like a lot, you're going to make it back. And that's an investment. That's like going and changing your, that's like painting the house. Right. That's like a guaranteed investment that you're going to paint your as fresh, nice, neutral colors. It's going to return a great investment when you're when you're selling a, a good realtor does the same thing. Well, the other variable, I mean, a few things. One is, you know, the gas, board fees, insurance. I play. I don't think that plays a factor in it at all. I mean, talk specifically talking about listing a house for sale. I think the importance there is uh, what are the what if there's money being contributed back into marketing the home um, that those are funds you're now removing from the agent's ability to to do that properly. I didn't know what our average cost is right now. I'd have to check, but we're probably around $4,000 a house for staging. Um, so that 
you know, those are funds that go back into getting more money for the house. The other aspect of it is just the person's sheer ability to negotiate. Like if you look back in our days in the automotive industry, there were salespeople that would sell 10 cars a month, the salespeople that would sell 30 cars a month. And if you look more deeply into that, some of those people were selling at an average of $2,000 gross profit a car. And some people were selling at an average of $1,200 gross profit per car. And it's, and, and there is a definite uh, difference between the level of salesmanship, but on a house but level of service and yeah. service. And, but on a house, you're talking tens of thousands, if not higher six figures. Um, in the- well, it goes into my next point um, to find out what that person's. So here's, you know, for listing, especially, I think this is my last point um, as well. What is that person's marketing plan and what is their preparation uh, for your home? How are they getting your home prepared? What is their marketing plan? The notes that I made, staging, cleaning, floor plans, social media, in-home marketing. How is the public going to be viewing your home? Certainly online. Every impression is first made online. Is there is there some kind of presence? Is it being built up? Is there... Um, you know, is there a campaign that is going to take that home from A to Z and make somebody fall in love with it? And yeah, if uh, to go back to your point of um, hiring somebody that will do the job for less, that generally means that you're getting less because you've now taken the resources away. Right. Yep. Uh, but that was my next point. Marketing plan, home preparation, look into what exactly is being done, what exactly you're going to get. Make sure all of the fees and all of the charges are specifically disclosed to you up front. Um, you know, everybody has a different in, in, in real estate, licensed realtors can negotiate their own commission. They all have different offerings. Um, So what is being offered and what are you paying for it at the end of the day? What's coming out of your pocket once that home closes? And were there any fees or any costs leading up to that? You know, it's funny because still to this day, now it happened many years ago where realtors would advertise free home staging. But it was only the consultation that was included. If you read the asterisks, free home staging consultation up to a value of $200 included. Right. So who pays for the freaking furniture? Oh, the homeowner. (laughs) The stager provides the homeowner the quote and tries to convince the homeowner that staging is a good idea. Right? That's... It actually still happens. So you got to know what is the plan? How is the home going to be marketed? Is this actually beneficial? Is, is, and to your point of looking at past or current listings from that agent, uh, you'll, you'll get a good feel and a good vibe for what is exactly being offered. And um, it is also important to know that Different tiers of offerings might be available with certain brokerages, teams, individuals. So if you are looking at past listings or current listings, 
um, you want to make sure that the service that that person was getting is the same service that you're signing up for. Right. Agreed. That was my last point too, is marketing strategy. I know people, All right, well, people will say houses sell themselves, but uh, there's no doubt that the nicer ones always sell for more. And sure, uh, houses, sell, uh, houses sell themselves. You can make a Big Mac at home. Doesn't taste the same way as it does. I don't care how good you are. Doesn't taste the same way as going into McDonald's and getting one, right? Yeah. Um, maybe that's a bad analogy. I'm just hungry. It's lunchtime. <laughs> All right. Well, on that point, hopefully these points will help you become a better realtor or hire a better realtor. Leave those comments. We'd love to hear what you've got to say about this topic. Thanks for listening or watching or both episode 170 KT Confidential. You can watch, by the way, by going to ktconfidential.ca. It'll bring you right to the YouTube playlist where all of these 170 videos are available for you to watch. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.